You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. In the thick of the Revolutionary War, James Robertson led a band of settlers to the Cumberland River where they began to build Fort Nashboro, which was named after North Carolina's General Francis Nash. On the first night of arrival, Christmas Eve, 1779, they celebrated with fiddle playing and buck dancing. I don't know what buck dancing is. I don't know if you've heard of buck dancing, but that's how they celebrated on that night. And just a few months later, a couple hundred more settlers would join them, including women and children this time. And they they came out under the leadership of John Donaldson. And this beginning settlement was the foundation of what we now know as Nashville. I love the fact that Music City has roots in the Christmas story. In fact, there's so much history that ties in with Christmas. I'm sure you and I both share a lot of memories when it comes to Christmas time, right? Now, I can remember growing up and hearing Amy Grant's tender Tennessee Christmas playing all throughout the house from Thanksgiving Day to New Year's Day. And if it wasn't Amy Grant, my mom was rocking some Barbara Streisand or Kenny G. Hey, she loved the classic Christmas albums. And whether it's the songs of Christmas or my favorite, the movies of Christmas, or even the story of Christmas. They all center around a few important themes that I think we need today in 2020. Themes like peace, joy, worship, and hope. In fact, today as we kick off this three-part series called The Christmas Story, we're gonna be looking at the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. These are the two Gospels that mention the story about Jesus' birth. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be reading the Bible together as a church. We're actually going to be doing a reading plan, and you can join that reading plan by going to our social media platforms or looking on our website, bridgesnashville.com slash December. You can join our reading plan. And together, we're going to discover the joy that I believe we can find in this season, even in a year like 2020. It's been a hard year, hasn't it? No doubt about it. But I want hope and joy and worship to mark this Advent season. Next week, uh, as a house church movement, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read together. All of our house churches are going to connect, and we're going to watch a virtual house church service together. And we're going to be diving into Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to see how the story of the Magi, when they go to the manger, is rooted in the heart of worship. And then on week three, together we're going to dive into Luke chapter two. And this is where we're going to see the angels bring about a message. They bring tidings of great joy. But this week, I kind of want to frame the whole story with a bit of a 30,000 foot view and see how hope, hope is the driving force in the Christmas story. See, hope is something that lies deep in the DNA of humanity. We're all hoping for something. It could be a physical need. It could be an emotional need or or a spiritual need. I would dare say that we're all hoping in someone. And maybe it's a family member that you're hoping breaks through that curse of addiction this season. Or maybe it's a spouse. Or if you're dating, it could be your significant other. Some of us hope in someone that we don't even know. I mean, if you like sports, you may be hoping in a team or a player to win the playoffs And some of you are hoping in a politician to make good on their promises. But here's a few definitions of hope that I want to look at this morning. Number one, hope is a feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. 
A second definition of hope is a person or thing in which expectations are centered. See, hope can actually be a person. But the third definition is something that I want to zoom in on today. Hope is to look forward with desire and reasonable confidence. See, hope is all about looking forward and not looking backwards. I think sometimes when we look ahead, it's with a bit of anxiety, not knowing what the future holds. But hope isn't bound to anxiety. Hope looks forward with anticipation. And there's a difference between anxiety and anticipation. See, fear sees everything ahead that could go wrong. But hope sees everything ahead that just might go right. And when we talk about the promises of God, anxiety cannot even be a part of that equation. We've got to live with a hope and an anticipation that God is who he says he is and he'll make good on his promises. It's interesting, there's this period known as the 400 years of silence from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. From the prophet Malachi to the gospel writer Matthew, there were no new prophets and and no new scriptures being written and it seemed like all hope was lost. Now, during those years, the Jewish people were still living under the law of Moses. They knew about the prophecies that foretold of a coming savior, a Messiah who would bring about a new covenant. Uh, But those were a hard 400 years of silence. During this period of over four centuries, there were hostile takeovers where the Greeks and the Romans overtook the Israel empire. There were uh, revolts. In particular, there was a revolt about 165 BC led by the Maccabee brothers where they retook and reclaimed Jerusalem. There were revolts and there were takeovers. And yet the people of Israel continued to look ahead with hope, even in a period of silence. And let me just pause here and say that if you feel like you're in a season where you're not hearing the voice of God, you may not be sensing the direction of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that God has gone silent. It doesn't mean that he's not working and moving in your life. Could I suggest that maybe you have a little too much noise in your world and the noise could be drowning out that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. So you've got to block out the noise. Now, I don't know what it is about my particular sleep cycle, but ever since my daughter was born, I have not been able to sleep without earplugs. And when she was first born, I swear, every little noise in the house woke me up like the drop of a pin needle. Now, I have been in rock bands for over half my life, so you would think that my hearing is pretty much shot. But somehow, whenever I lay down to bed, it's like a Spider-Man sense kicks on and I can hear everything. And so I had to start sleeping with earplugs to drown out the noise. And a couple of weeks ago, we had just gotten back from a trip and I forgot my earplugs. And so I thought, look, maybe let me just try to go to sleep. I don't need my earplugs. Let me start a new era of Curtis's sleep. And so I laid down and about two hours later, I was tossing and turning. I couldn't fall asleep. And so I thought, well, let me just go into the bathroom. I'll grab some uh, paper towels and crimple them up and put them on my ears. And maybe that can act as a a sort of placeholder for my normal earplugs, right? But I'm a side sleeper, y'all. And so I was sleeping on my side and all I could hear in my ear was the crinkling of paper, That didn't do me any good. 
And so at about 1.30 a.m., I gave up. I put on my slippers. I put on my jacket. And I drove down to the 24-7 Walgreens. I bought a brand new pack of earplugs. I went the distance so that I could get some sleep that night. And what I'm trying to say here is you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to block out the noise and tune into his voice. Okay, maybe that was a little bit of a detour, but I want to let you know that God is working and God is speaking in your life, even when it seems like you're in the midst of years of silence. And then we have it. At the turn of all time, we have the birth of Christ. Now, scholars believe that Jesus fulfilled some 300 or so prophecies from the Old Testament. Many of those prophecies were regarding his birth, how he would be born, where he would be born. So let's take a look at some of these prophecies that are rooted in promise and hope. Go all the way back to Genesis. You've got Abraham, who's known as the father of faith, and he gets a glimpse of the gospel. Check this out, Genesis 12:3. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. A few generations go by, and Jacob, Abraham's grandson, gets a similar glimpse. Genesis 28, 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Continue on down that family line a few more generations and you get to King David and here's what the prophet told him. 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And then you go on down to the prophets and the prophets foretold of a hope-filled king with a hopeful coming kingdom. Listen, Hosea said that he would be called out of Egypt. Micah said that he would be born in Bethlehem. But one of my favorite prophets is this guy, Isaiah. And Isaiah really went out on a limb because here's what he said in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Could there be anything more rooted in hope? And doesn't it always feel like there's a sense of chaos that hits right before we go into the season of perpetual hope? Right now, I think we can all agree that's a bit of a mess. Uh, We find our country pretty divided over everything from politics to social issues to to COVID-19. And it's interesting to me that if we look back 2,000 years to the story that surrounds the birth of Christ, there's a lot of tension happening there too. I mean, look at this crazy mess that Jesus was born into. Let's just look at his parents, an unlikely couple, right? You've got Mary. Now, Mary was a teenager. She was a virgin. And she just announced to her family that she's pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, talk about being shunned. And then finally, when it comes time for the baby to arrive, the only place that they can find as a suitable delivery room is a stable filled with a bunch of smelly farm animals. Okay, it got a little messy. And then you've got Joseph, right? Now, Joseph was a dude who was respected by the community. In fact, the Gospels make a point of telling us that Joseph is from the line of King David. He was a righteous man. And so he was going to divorce Mary in secret to preserve her dignity when he found out that she was pregnant and it wasn't his child. But then an angel visits Joseph in a dream and tells him that the baby that's in Mary's belly is of the Holy Spirit and it's the Son of God. 
It's pretty wild, isn't it? Well, then you look at the nation of Israel. Israel was ruled by a madman. Taxes were out the wazoo. There was anything but peace in this day and age. Let me tell you a little bit about King Herod. He was ruling the Roman Empire, and he was crazy. He had his mother killed. He had his wife killed. His three sons murdered. And you may or may not know this, but Herod was actually part Jewish and part Gentile, and he referred to himself as the king of the Jews. And so you might be able to understand why he got a little ticked off when these three wise men show up to his door telling him that a new king is being born, a Messiah for the Jewish people. And in Matthew chapter 2, we actually see how crazy and chaotic things get when King Herod ordered the death of every boy in Bethlehem, age two and under. It was a mess. And in the middle of all this mess, God breathes hope and gives to us his son, Emmanuel, God with us. Listen to me. Hope is most needed in times of most darkness. One of me and Sarah's favorite movies is The Hunger Games. And in The Hunger Games, you've got this guy, President Snow. He's the villain of the story. And he, he gives us this quote when he realizes that Katniss, who's the savior figure, is on the verge of igniting a movement. See, President Snow had been using fear as a tactic to hold all the people in submission. Here's what he said. Hope is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective, but a lot of hope is dangerous. And up until the coming of Christ, the hope of mankind had been in the promise of a savior yet to come. And since the time that Jesus was born, lived a perfect life, died on behalf of our sins, and walked up out of that tomb, since that time, our hope has been in having a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have hope and strength, and purpose, and we don't have to live in despair and darkness. Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for our lives. It is safe and sure, and it goes through the curtain of the heavenly temple into the inner sanctuary. Now, this verse is saying that Jesus made a way for us to be in God's presence without any limits. Paul wrote to the early church in Colossians 1.27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I love Romans 5.5, 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Listen, Advent is the season where we celebrate the account that the very God of the universe put his only son in human form to begin a journey that would lead to the redemption of mankind and to salvation through a Roman cross. This is a time where we celebrate when God became flesh and entered into our mess and brought us hope. And he still brings us hope. So I would encourage you in this season to drown out the noise and to tune in to his voice. He is not distant. He is so near. See, the hope of the Christmas story is Jesus himself. So let me close with a benediction. And I want to say, if any of you are watching and you want to put your hope and your faith in Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us, I want to encourage you to reach out to the number that you see on the bottom of the screen. Our prayer team is standing by. We want to pray with you and pray for you as you make the greatest decision of your life. Listen, in this season, the best gift 
is the gift of salvation, and that is a gift that is freely given because of Jesus and what he's done for us. Let me close with 1 Peter 1.3. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good, and by raising Jesus from the death, he has given us new life and a hope that lives on. Hope has come. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.